Welcome to Seers, Beers, Knowers, and Doers, a podcast about intuition. Do you know what that is? Intuition to me is that inner sense or knowing that something is true, and yet I have no proof. But there's so many definitions, and there's so many ways it can come. I'm looking to bring together and share with you some amazing guests who have some amazing life stories and also some insights into how intuition can come. And I'm looking to gather those crows in the trees. I hope you're one of them. I hope that this podcast inspires you to be more connected to your intuition. And I hope that by doing that, we make the world a better place. Thanks for coming on this journey with me. Before we get started today, I would love to share some tools with you to help with stress and feeling overwhelmed, especially for the energetically sensitive person. Feel free to go to my store on my website at www.healingvitality.ca. Thanks so much for coming on this journey with me. So I'm super excited today to reconnect with a lady that I met through another podcast guest, Dr. Susan Fay, who is following her passion and doing many things. The name of her company is Three Cedars Reiki and Animal Communication, and she works with clients remotely and in in-person. She's in South Carolina. Thank you so much, Laura Thomas, for joining me today. I'm excited to share you with the world. Thank you, Heather. It's truly an honor, and it's so cool the way we all connected, and I'm just honored to be here and share what I know or what I've experienced with the world. Wonderful. So I'm going to ask that question that not everybody likes, but could you tell us about yourself, please? Okay. I have always been an animal lover, first and foremost. Felt a really close connection with animals and horses especially. They are my heart. You know, I was the kid that was always bringing home the ill, injured animals or the strays I found somewhere, you know, when I was wandering around. And... I can't imagine my life without animals. And I guess growing up, I felt that connection to them. I always felt like I could talk to the animals and they could understand me and I could understand them. And, you know, growing up, I was always told, oh, that's just your imagination. So I think like a lot of people, because we all have this ability, I think like a lot of people, I kind of started believing it was my imagination, which was okay because I would go with my imagination and still talk to them and listen, but I wouldn't tell anybody. I grew up, went to college, you know, got a job and spent 25 years in the business world as a professional development trainer and a curriculum developer in corporate, nonprofit, and government sectors. And then one day, I just had enough, and a friend and I had talked for probably several years about doing this, but I'd had enough one day, and I called her on the way home from work, and I said, when are we going to do this? And she said, I've had the worst day. And that day, we both decided to turn in our resignations and start a pet and farm sitting business. Oh, nice. So I've been doing that for the last 12 years, I guess. Shortly after that, Reiki found me through an off-the-track thoroughbred mare I had who had colic surgery. And I became fascinated with the world of Reiki, um, became a Reiki master and an animal Reiki teacher. And that is... One of my true passions now is helping animals and humans through Reiki, but not long after Reiki, and I got into that practice, another mayor of mine, you see a pattern here, <laughs> another mayor of mine led me to the world of animal communication. 
And so I learned animal communication, or learned, relearned, I guess I should say, how to communicate with animals telepathically or intuitively. And through those two practices, I realized that throughout my whole life, intuition had led me and guided me in the right direction, even though I probably didn't recognize it as such. I just always had this knowing of where I needed to go or what I needed to do next in life. And it was without a lot of thought. It was just a knowing. And people thought a lot of times I was crazy or I was making bad decisions because some of the things I did were not the things that seemed the most rational or reasonable or sensible, but it was right for me. You know, it was that gut feeling that this is what I need to do. So I realized kind of late in life that I'd always had a strong sense of intuition, even if I didn't recognize it or call it as such. But that's what had guided me and led me through most of the big decisions in my life. So now I am an animal communicator. I teach and follow uh, and practice Reiki with animals, not so much with humans, but mostly with animals. And I still have the pet and farm sitting business, so that's there as well. And also dabble in some other sorts of energy work with animals. So that's it kind of in a nutshell. Nice. I find it interesting that you say relearn because if you're doing a pet and farm sitting business, you're constantly interacting with animals that are new to you until you establish relationship or repeat clientele. So did you, like you said, when you were a kid, you didn't turn it off. You just didn't tell anybody. Right. Was there a difference between what you were doing as a kid and what you quote unquote learned as a animal communicator facilitator? I don't know if I'm making my question um, clear. Yeah, I, I think um, as a kid, it was much easier because it came naturally. As an adult, I had all of these things, you know, we're all in our heads all the time. And to be able to communicate intuitively or telepathically for animals, we kind of have to get out of our head and be open to receive the message. It's a heart-to-heart kind of connection. So you have to get rid of all that stuff and not overthink it and just be open to receive the messages and open to sharing the messages with the animals. So I kind of had to relearn how to get out of my head and just be open to it again. Yeah. So 25 Um, years of corporate, government, nonprofit got you in your head. Yes. As well as, you know, we're taught we always have to think through things. You know, we have to do things rationally, think it through, all of that. Yeah. So I kind of had to shed all of that a little bit. Okay. Okay. And so that's before the call you started talking about kind of more the Japanese side of Reiki because we were talking about a course I did and then you got talking about how it aligned with Japanese Reiki. And so do you want to get into, was that part of your getting out of your head? The actual animal Reiki part? Yes. Yes. Um, And just a little bit of background, I'm not without going into a big history lesson on Reiki, um, Reiki here in the West. And of course, Reiki is Reiki. It's universal life force energy. And the system of Reiki is using that, for um, our own spiritual development and for, you know, healing of ourselves and others. In Japan, initially, Reiki was a system of spiritual development or personal development. As it evolved and came to the West, it became associated more with the hands-on healing of others. And that's how I was initially trained um, in a Western lineage of Reiki. And it works great with people 
Western versus traditional. One's not better than the other. It's just what resonates with, you know, the individual. And I was trained in the Western Reiki, which focuses on the hands-on practice, the hands-on healing of others. And I knew I always wanted to work with animals, not so much humans. And so I came back from my first Reiki training all excited. I was going to Reiki the world. This was going to be so wonderful for my animals, all of this. And I find out when I get back to my animals, you're kind of like, eh, you know, yeah, we'll let you do this because we love you. But, you know, it just wasn't working as well as I thought it would. So I started researching and digging around and reading about Reiki with animals and ran across Kathleen Prasad's website, Animal Reiki Source. And she teaches a method of animal Reiki called Let Animals Lead, which I now follow and teach as well, that the premise is animals are so sensitive to energy Mm -hmm. that the methods that we use with humans with Reiki can be a little too much for them. So her method honors animals as, you know, sentient beings with their own preferences and their own sensitivity to energy. And the Let Animals Lead is, we let the animal guide the session. And she teaches the more traditional Japanese Reiki, which is meditation-based. So essentially, instead of going to the animal and saying, okay, I'm going to share Reiki with you by putting my hands on you, it's more we create that meditative, We through meditation, we create the Reiki space for healing and invite the animal in. If the animal initiates touch, great, we go for it, as long as the animal is comfortable with it. But if they prefer the hands-off approach, you know, Reiki is just as effective from a distance as it is hands-on. So I think through learning to meditate, and I'm not talking about sitting for hours, you know, cross-legged in the dark room meditating, but just having a meditative process, a meditative practice, it also opened my intuition more and allowed me to be able to hear the animals better and be aware of what they needed. And kind of from that flowed an awareness of my energy and how it affected animals. I found that the animals are my greatest teachers, mm-hmm. especially the horses, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah. Did that answer your question? Yeah, that was really a good explanation because when you said the intensity of working with humans Reiki wise, I'm thinking there's just, there are, there's probably a scale to people and a, and less of a scale to animals, but there's probably a scale to people as far as how many walls and barriers or how much of a, of a shell or protection or, they're over aware of energy so they shut down their knowing of it like there's probably a little bit more of that in your head space in terms of energy which makes the transmission have to be either gentler but still have an intensity in order to to make the request to get through the walls and barriers or have the person lower their walls and barriers or whatever the case may be yeah and and i think a big difference too is we and i have to say we as humans because i have a bad habit of saying humans me too humans (laughs) we're all humans we're not people we're humans yeah yes we as humans tend to think if something is not happening actively then nothing's happening Mm. so i think that the humans need the hands-on positions and that sort of thing whereas animals if you observe them in their natural you know state they're not constantly doing like we are no. 
they seem to prefer that stillness a little more. And I think that's a difference too. Yeah. And you can actually witness, I've witnessed this meditative healing that goes on. I'll call it that. Yeah. uh, In between animals. And they'll just even, they'll stand with their nose pointed at a certain place Mm -hmm. And the other horse is just standing, and they're both in a relaxed head yeah. midline place. They're both standing there like statues. You would think you could go tip a cow kind of thing, but there's definitely a space of exchange and honor. And yeah. and yeah, it's just, it's really special to stop long enough to yeah. and witness it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I will say that I've never been in a Reiki session or a healing session with animals where I didn't feel like I received as much healing, if not more, than they did. Oh, you know, the yeah. healing is truly mutual yeah. in those situations. Yeah, for sure. And if there's more than one animal around at the time, they'll all contribute. Like, it's that is not a... Oh, yeah. It's yeah. not a, oh, it's your turn. I'm going to be over here and not contribute like they all yeah 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 um i had an instant instance recently where i had a cat that was in hospice care so to speak and i would share reiki with him quite often and but i noticed that not only when i did that but at other times my other animals would gather around the dogs cats would all gather around and i could just feel that they were sharing healing energy with him mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i've witnessed a horse um, actually heal a cat yeah <laughs> i have as well yeah it's fascinating if you just are like okay just get out of the way uh, what are we humans doing yes. anyways they don't need us like it's all right oh, heavens yeah yeah it's very yeah. delightful that they allow us to participate <laughs> Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Oh, so cool. All right. Well, you've you've talked about a couple of instances and used a few words, and you've thrown the telepathy around, and I'm not sure that people actually have an idea specifically what telepathy is. I think we think of telepathy as far as what the movies show us, Mm -hmm. but I think more people have telepathy than they realize. That it's that, and it is also, to me, a form of of intuition that we just haven't discussed in the 160-some-odd podcasts. So would you mind sharing kind of your experience or your insights about telepathy, what it is, how it works for you? It wouldn't necessarily work this way for everybody, but what your experience with that word and what you're actually describing or or sensing or feeling Um, or seeing or whatever the case may be. Yeah, and it's one of those things that I think it's really hard to describe because mm-hmm. it's intangible. Yeah. But that, you think about the fact that we're all connected energetically. We're all made of energy. We're all connected energetically in some, you know, some way. Everything on earth is connected. Intuition is just, and I go back to Dr. Faye's term, the internet of intuition. We're all connected. We can all receive the information, send the information, if we're open to it. And intuition, I use intuition and telepathy interchangeably. I'm not sure that when it comes to the dictionary definition, that's appropriate. 
but in my mind, they're kind of the same. It's communicating energetically mm-hmm. or connecting energetically mm-hmm. with another being or the universe or source, spirit, all of those things. And it comes to me just as a knowing, a really strong knowing most of the time, a strong gut feeling or just knowing without a doubt that this is the message or this is the course of action or the reality of the situation. There's really no thought or no conscious thought to it. It's just, I know, you know, it's not something I sorted out in my mind. I just know. Um, I also receive images. I'll see pictures of um, the way something is supposed to be or what's going on in a situation, those sorts of things, or see myself doing something. There's no real active thought around it. It just comes in from wherever, and it's there. With my animal communication, the intuition is, once again, it can be a source of knowing or a sense of knowing, but it's also images, words, conversation-like, with the animal feelings you know, sometimes it comes as a feeling I can feel what the animal is feeling whether it be emotional or physical occasionally but not as often a sense of smell or taste uh, I find I have an awareness of spirits through a lot of times smell yes. um, I will for instance I'll know my great grandmother is around because suddenly there'll be a strong sense smell of clothes nice. and she always used to have the clothes and her teeth so it comes in a lot of different ways. It's different for every one of us. We all have access to all of those ways, but typically one or two ways will show up. And there are, you know, there are names for all of these, clear audience, clear essence, all of those things come in different ways for each of us. Usually one or two ways is stronger for each person, but you can work on bringing things in the other ways as well. I think that was the first part of your question. Yeah, for sure. Yes. The second part was, how has it shown up in my life? Yeah. In so many ways. I think, and as I said earlier, I think I spent a good part of my life following my intuition without actually recognizing that's what it was. And the thing that comes to mind first is when I was in, I guess, junior high and high school, I had a horse that would just out of the blue kind of colic. And I always knew when it was happening. And most of the time, it was when I was at school. So I was like, I would be, oh, my gosh, I have to get home to him. And back then, you know, we didn't have cell phones and all those things. So I would have to go to the office to the school secretary. And most of the time, feel a little bit that I wasn't feeling well so that, you know, she would call my mother to come get me. And then I would have to explain to my mother, well, it's not me, but. Ralph was his name. It's Ralph. And she oh, gosh. Well, after a while, you know, several times of this being true, she just knew when she got the call, she needed to come get me and take me to my horse. (laughs) Um, So that's one of the things that I remember early on it showing up. And I would just have this sense of knowing where my life was going, where my next job would be, where I was going to live, that sort of thing. And it would just kind of happen. I remember one time, I was in a job that it was a, I was a, um, was a state government and I was a professional development trainer, but doing mostly management training. And I remember driving by this building one day and just having this, I'm going to work there one day. Mm. I wasn't looking for a job, you know, I had no intentions of leaving my current job, but it was, I'm going to work in that building one day. And it was, I didn't even really know what they did in that building. Oh, but I wow. knew, and sure enough, I don't know, four or five years later, I was working in that building. 
for the company that was there. And just things like that throughout my whole life. I remember in high school, some relatives moved a house um, from a neighboring town and put it on some family property and started to restore it. And it was like, I'm going to live in that house one day. Oh, wow. I now live in that house. (laughs) Um, um, And, you know, with the animals, it shows up all the time. I don't walk around open to, you know, animal communication. But with my own animals, it shows up all the time when something's off with them or going on or, you know, somebody needs something, intuition pops in. And then I think the whole practice of animal communication is, you know, intuition, telepathy, that sort of thing. So, yeah, anymore, it's and it's just a way of life. I just follow my intuition wherever it leads me. Beautiful. There's a thing that happens and has happened with me, and I'm, I want your take on it, if I could, Laura. Yeah. Having an intuition that something's not right with an animal, having uh-huh. someone else go, no, no, that's just them being an animal. Right. They're fine. Going into one of two things, either still hearing the animal going, I'm not right, and then getting into mm-hmm. worry because I don't have control over the outcome anymore because <laughs> I don't own the, the animal. Right. And the horse ends up being fine. So have you experienced ever a situation where everything does turn out fine, that the other person's intuition is also right? Cause, yeah, because we're talking about something that's as clear as mud. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, people can have different yeah. points of views and different experiences and different intuitions about the exact same situation. And one is yeah. one is in the moment and one is long term, that both can be right at the same time. But I'm kind of looking what your experience yeah. has been with that, because you've worked with more owners who know their horse or their animal. So have you Why? had those types of experiences or anything along those lines? Yeah. And I think a lot of times it's, I just have to back up and say, you know what, we're both probably right. And also, I think animals are on a journey with their humans or the humans are on their journey with their animals for a reason. Mm -hmm. And I have to respect that. Even if I strongly feel that my intuition is right and what they're thinking or, you know, going with is not, I have to respect that it's between the animal and their person. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've found in situations that I may not know the whole story, and that plays into it as well. But, yeah, I think, you know, depending on animals live in the present, and so what I may I get at one moment may be different from some, what somebody else gets. And it's not necessarily that either is wrong. It just is. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that I have learned is I have to back up and – realized that my role was not to change anyone's mind. Yes. Um, You know, I try with all of my work to be in the highest service to the animal or the animals that I'm working with. But sometimes to do that, I have to kind of stay in my lane. I can do everything I can, but at the end of the day, it is between the animal and their person. Does that help? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I think that there's probably... There's probably experiences for people, not necessarily even with animals, but with other people in their life where they have an intuition, they think that it's right, the other person doesn't agree, yeah. they're having a different intuition. And it's just to give people insight into it's both can be right. 
and the yeah, outcome can yeah. be you can have both outcomes even occur. Yeah. Um, I've had situations where I've done an animal communication consultation and the person is adamant about, no, 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 that's not right. And then at some point in the future, whether it be a couple days or a week, I will get a message from them and say, you know, you were right. I just didn't want to see it or I was thinking about it in a different way. So sometimes it's just a matter of we're thinking about things differently or if it's something that involves the human they may not be willing to see that at first or admit to it. And not that they're doing anything wrong. No. You know, we're all doing the best we can with what we have and what we know. But then when people think about it, it's like, okay, maybe we were both right. Or maybe what she said was right. I just wasn't wanting to hear it. And, you know, with intuition, or I should say with the animal communication when we're using intuition, there's always a possibility of miscommunication. I mean, you know, good grief, it happens with us talking face-to-face, there can be miscommunication. So when you're talking about communicating telepathically or energetically, you know, there's always room for that miscommunication. And I think we have to be open to that and realize that when it happens, it doesn't mean we're a failure. It's just part of it. And we have to be willing to admit that, yeah, maybe we were wrong in that situation or we were wrong. Well, And there's that opportunity to jump to conclusions. Yeah. yeah. A plus B equals C yeah. when we just have A and we just have B and they it doesn't necessarily mean C. It's just we have A and right. B. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and that just yeah. comes with time and, and trusting the process and trusting yourself. Right. And yeah. 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 Cool. Well, thank you yeah. so much. I always like to bring it back to um, how these things can also relate to our human to human relationships because Animals to me are huge teachers, and um, yeah. we've got we've we've got the ability to have that telepathy with our people. I mean, mm-hmm. just knowing to pick up the phone and say, "Do we need milk?" <laughs> That's telepathy, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, those yeah. simple little moments of magic when it's like, "Oh, I was just thinking about you, and you called." Oh, thanks. You know, yes. Or, call, or calling someone just because you haven't checked in in a while and then being, I'm so glad you called. Yes. <laughs> or finding out they've got something going on and you can offer support. But, yeah, it's all the little things. Knowing who's calling before you pick up the phone or, you know, like you said, thinking about somebody and all of a sudden they call. Yeah. Um, it's So, like, yeah. we're just sticking up our antennas to gather the information from all beings. It could be a tree. It could also be, you know, your yeah. neighbor who's in distress. Who knows? Yeah, I think we just have to readjust our antennas a little bit so that we pick up all those messages. It can be very helpful. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Laura, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, I hope that we can do it again. There's more awareness that can be had about words like telepathy. It is not something that is only in the movies. (laughs) It's actually something we all have. So cool. Well, thank you so much. And I look forward to doing this again. Thank you. And I look forward to it as well, Heather. All right. Until next time. Until next time. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. 
We truly appreciate our guests for sharing their stories and insights about how intuition has impacted their lives. And I'm so grateful for Peter Trainer for his time in giving me this original music. It's now your turn. It's your turn to listen and act on your own intuition and help make the world a better place. Until next time, keep seeing, being, knowing, and doing. If you like this podcast, please share it. If you want to find others like it, go to www.healingvitality.ca or wherever you would find your podcasts. We would love to have you join us on this journey. Come be a crow sitting in the tree. Be part of our community.